So I met today's podcast guest on an escalator in LA. And coincidentally, it sounds like every single time I'm somewhere else talking about podcasts, she's there too. And so not so coincidentally, because she is invested in sharing truth about money with people of all ages and all ethnicities and doing so in a way that's really different than Dave Ramsey. And I love the way that she shares about it. And no offense, no shade to our man Dave Ramsey, just done in a new fresh way that's actually going to be tangibly applicable for some who might not be to that stage or who are a little bit further along and or younger and not thinking about some of the things that Ramsey is teaching to. And so really making financial wealth and abundance, prosperity attainable. I hope that you guys enjoy today's conversation with Sarah. I know I'm going to see her around somewhere because I always send to and maybe even on escalator. All right, y'all. Enjoy the Fit and Paid podcast. Oh, don't forget, please leave a review. It's like golden nuggets, better than money, actually. Oh, wait, Sarah might disagree. Nothing's better than money, but lots of things are better than money. A review today, please drop some comments, drop some love. We'll even share some of those reviews on the podcast from time to time or even on our website. And it might be yours with your name. So drop some love. We love you. Follow along. Chat soon. Fit and Faith podcast. Sarah Lowe, let's go. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast. FIT is an acronym representing founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are looking to live a life wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. A space for us to connect on the raw, real stories of mind, body, and soul alignment of entrepreneurs and kingdom leaders. I'm your host, Tamara Andress, and this podcast isn't like the cookie-cutter interview experience. I've been coined the entrepreneurial rabbi, and so we do go there, unscripted. No matter how far, wide, deep, or high the there is, my desire is to see people rise from the inside out into their greatest calling by sharing their truest stories, talents, and tips. As a purpose activator and brand builder, I believe our successes and failures are derived from who and whose we are, not what we do. But strategy and vision are equally as important to the mission. So let's cut to the chase together and get fit in faith. All right. So excited to hang out today with the one and only Sarah. She is actually someone I met on a an escalator. Literally, that's how we met. <laughs> and we were bonding over our colored hair, our, our, our palettes of blonde and, and color, pink and blue. And we were having an incredible conversation that led into financial literacy. It led into some of her passions, and we have both experienced being broke millennials. And so today's conversation is going to speak into all of those things. And if you watched her trailer, then you know that she's also a marketer as she launched a whole secondary company after being in the career of finance for a while. So I'm excited to learn about your entrepreneurial journey and the way that you serve the world in, in an incredible way, because I know that it's not just legacy for us as millennials, but generations ahead of us and generations to follow. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was so great to get to know you and accidentally stalk you all throughout the conference for a few days. <laughs> well, I swear every single time I came into a room, I'm like, oh, you're here. Oh, we're here. It was hilarious. It, it was definitely not on purpose, though I did not mind it. 
<laughs> no, me neither. It was awesome to see your friendly face because there was a lot of people. We were in LA Podcast Movement Evolutions Conference. And so opposite coast for me. Where are you, Sarah? I'm actually in Austin. So it was, oh, okay. I guess I'm kind of halfway. Yep. Yep. You, you took a little hop though too. That's awesome. Yes. So yeah. So talk to us about like your journey uh, in your financial career because I think that's kind of where it started and then we'll go from there. Yeah. My, my journey's weird. Um, I have a very, um, yeah, it's definitely a broken road that got me to finance. I was working in advertising and marketing, um, for a couple of years when I was in Maryland. And I think I remember even saying like, I will never work in finance. Um, I were, I had an internship in finance where I was trying to get, um, it was a marketing internship and I wanted to share some like cool stories from the females in the company for women's month. And, um, I was told no, because we're not trying to get political. It's like, apparently being a woman was a political statement. So I was like, I'm not going to stay in this industry. And I switched to advertising, um, worked for an amazing ad agency and ended up taking a job a few years later with one of our clients. And, it is 100% not what I expected um, f- for working in finance. It's not what I expected for my life, um, but I can't imagine anything else. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's really interesting because whenever I think of financial people, and I have a couple of people in the industry, so I mean this with all the love because they're friends of mine, but I think of like more rigid, I think of more like maybe suits and 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 just like that really like white collar experience, whether they're in the financial literacy space or they're in the financial advising space or even banking, right? But yeah. when I met you, you do not put off that vibe at all. So you definitely break the borders, both as a female, but then also just as the energy that you put out into the world. So I think it's really cool. Like, yeah, I definitely am not the button down, um, typical finance <laughs> yeah. person. And I think I kind of get that leeway because I am in marketing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm on that creative side and I love that. I get, um, I don't know when I found a passion for personal finance, but I didn't expect it. But being able to combine that with what I was passionate about, which was writing and creativity and all of that. It's definitely different. And I feel like I have a very unique kind of spot in the world right now. Yeah. Which I think is necessary. I mean, we were talking even, I remember this now so vividly. I told her when she (laughs) came in, I'm like, y'all, you have to connect me. I cannot remember our connection. And then immediately all the memories flood back because it wasn't too long ago. So kiss my brain. Thank you for remembering. (laughs) Uh, But we were talking about how a majority of what education my friends know about finances and even the generations ahead of me is Susan Orman or David or um, Dave Dave Ramsey. Ramsey. Yeah. And so you had this whole different perspective, which is really one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on the podcast because I knew it would rattle some people a little bit (laughs) into the best case scenario, right? Like we all want more financial abundance. So talk about that kind of perspective and learning curve. Yeah. I mean, as a company, we think that um, financial literacy is kind of the key to everything with financial success. And I mean, I couldn't agree with that more. It It's kind of the same, um, like everyone says, like, don't, if you're just a, a young woman by yourself, don't go to a mechanic because they're just going to think you don't know anything and take advantage of you. The same thing can happen when you go to someone in finance, if they assume like you don't know what you're talking, like what they're talking about and you don't really understand it, there's no way of knowing if what they're feeding you is just like a sales pitch or if it's actually what you need. So having that literacy is going to help you just not get taken advantage of. And I think that's so important. So everything that I've been doing is 
just pushing out that information and trying to get people to understand those concepts. And like you said, with what we've learned, it's not just Dave Ramsey and Suze Orman. So much of what we learn, we learn from our parents and we don't realize it. Uh, So it's those money stories that we grow up with Mm -hmm. and those money scripts. And you can be making financial decisions at 40 that you make because of something that happened um, when you were 10 that you don't realize that connection but we spend so much time accidentally learning these lessons from our parents. And then we have to spend our adulthood kind of unlearning it uh, so that we're able to make those better choices. And then I think about like stepping into the role of being a parent. I've got two kiddos that are seven and eight. And I became even more aware of those things mm-hmm. as I started to teach them or showcase them or live a different lifestyle than what I grew up in. Even things like hiring out house cleaning or hiring Mm -hmm. out laundry. Like that was never something that we did. My mom was an incredible homemaker and entrepreneur simultaneous because she worked out of the home and had an incredible business, but she did everything. And so it was even this mentality of like trading money for time, right? Like how do we, Mm -hmm. we remove kind of that concept and also what is valuable versus what is not, not thinking from a scarcity mentality, but an abundance mentality. Yeah, abundance mentality is so important. And I'm a, I have a couple of friends right now that are having babies and I'm so excited because they are going to be the most financially literate babies yes. in the world. <laughs> I am so I'm like from day 1 they are going to be learning about finance. Yay. They will be the only toddlers on the <laughs> playground bragging about their 529 college savings plans. Like I am yeah. so excited <laughs> to be able to like have all of these resources that I'm just going to force on. My, my I mean it's kids. it's critical though because even my kiddos are already learning about investment and what that looks like and stock and all of that. And so they'll get in the car with my husband and then at the end of the day and be like, how much money did I make today? Right. And it's like understanding that money can even work for you when you're actually Mm -hmm. doing something else was not a concept that I was ever exposed to when I was little. I felt like it was actually swiping credit cards and then having to work in order to pay that credit card back and then swiping the credit card and then having to work to make that credit card money back. And there was never really this real understanding of cash fluidity or not necessarily that there wasn't savings, but I just couldn't comprehend that there could be a multiplication happening without my touching it once I did the initial investment. Yeah. Um, I think I remember, I think I was 20 years old and I was interning in Florida, just staying with my sister for a couple months. And I just remember sitting on her couch and asking, how do I get a credit card? Uh, yes. And she had to like walk me through this like credit card application and choosing which card and all this stuff. Cause I had no idea. Cause no one taught me that. Like there's so much things that like they should have taught us in schools that no one did. And I just had to rely on like, okay, well, she's a full-size adult at this point. She should know what she's talking about. And then I just applied for whichever one she told me to do. And now fast forward, I still have that credit card. It works Good very advice. well for me. Right. But it's also like I understand so so much more than I did. Yeah. And I just want to spread that and help other people know it. Yeah. Just because asking, you, you can trust these people, but that doesn't mean that they know what they're talking about. Right. Well, and I think that part is one of the most critical. I mean, even working with a financial advisor, I remember going into those situations and having gone through business school, like I had financial insight. I understood spreadsheets really well and kind of the premise of profit and loss and econ and all that stuff at this point in my life. And I had also was a business owner for several different businesses. And when we first stepped in with a financial advisor to actually really figure out like, where do we want to go from here as a married couple? What does it look like when we retire? All of that. 
as me and my husband both being entrepreneurs, it was one of those moments where we're like, we have nothing. Everything's been invested at risk into our dreams, into our vision. And we want to make sure, especially as we start to develop a family, that we're prepared and that we're not being completely illiterate when it comes to our finances and also to know, you know, what does everybody else have? That was one of the biggest questions. Like, what is everyone else's 401k reading at this point? This was when I was 30. And I wanted to know because I didn't have a traditional savings in that regard and everything had been poured into that. And so we did all the math. We calculated backwards and what we should have had at that point had we done the traditional whatever shoulda, coulda, woulda, right? Like the American dream style of we're going to get a career and this is what you're going to do. And I remember not really fully understanding what the advisor was saying. He's a friend of mine. We went to college together. And I'm like, Cameron, I, you're confusing me. Can we take it like back a couple steps? And it took him really spending dedicated time drawing on a whiteboard, really explaining to me, how can this actually work for us? And how are we going to make this work long run? Um, even associated to some of the things that we're not familiar with, like the 529 plan for college or um, even some of the investment things that we're doing now, like what's an IRA and what is, you know, uh, what are these signatures that you're asking me to do when it comes to my will or when it comes to my, uh, what's the one I'm looking for when you are protected, like your insurance, your life insurance, whole insurance, all these words. I'm like, I don't know what any of this means. And I feel, I felt illiterate. I felt not like smart enough. And had I not had him as a friend, I would have shut my mouth the whole time and let my husband run with it. But mm-hmm. I knew it was important for me, especially as a woman to understand at least enough that I was investing and why I was investing it. Yeah. It's so important. Like when, um, we have resources dedicated just to how to find a financial advisor. Um, and like we have a whole list of interview questions that you can ask your advisor, um, or someone that you're interviewing, but part of it is making sure that you have an advisor that's going to teach you those things and isn't just going to like, it's not an advisor's job to tell you what to do with your money. It's their job to explain what your options yeah, are and help you make that educated choice. Okay. And, but I, I was in that same position. I remember it was that same summer. I was 20 years old and these guys approached me and they're like, Oh, we're financial advisors. Like you should just come in for coffee and we'll have a conversation. I was like, okay, sure. Why not free coffee? <laughs> so I get to their office and they're just insurance salesmen. And their pitch was, if you die tomorrow, you will be a financial burden on your family. I'm like, I'm 20 years old. My parents are paying for my college. My parents are paying my rent right now. I am a financial burden on my family. If I die tomorrow, they'll be sad, but financially they get a raise. Yeah. That's um, so I'm like, what? Like, this doesn't make any sense. They just, I guess, assumed that I had no idea what, what anything was, which I didn't. I did not know who they were or what was going on. Sure. All I knew was... I am a financial burden on my family. So this is probably not for me. And I remember calling my dad after to tell him that he's like, oh, those weren't advisors. Those are insurance salesmen. And now being in the industry and actually realizing what that difference is and knowing what what the term fiduciary means, because people don't know what that word means. And that is the the most important word when it comes to your money. Well, let's explain it. Let's explain it. Let's hear it. Yes. The fiduciary standard, if uh, someone is acting as a fiduciary, and this happens in all different industries, your realtors, a fiduciary, all different areas, um, it just means that they're putting you first. They're putting your interests ahead of anything else. And basically, financial advisor is just a term that people give themselves because they give financial advice. It doesn't refer to an actual position. 
at a company or anything. It's just some, it's just a self given title in a lot of cases. But if they don't have um, specific designations or certifications that require them to adhere to that um, fiduciary standard, they could just be selling you a product because that's what's going to hit their quota or that's what's going to get their um, like their profit for that month for their company um, and get them the highest, um, just the highest payout. So you want to find someone that is a fiduciary, someone that is a, a certified financial planner practitioner, has to be a CFP. Um, a accredited financial counselor, I'm sorry, has to be a fiduciary. Um, accredited financial counselor has to be a fiduciary. There are specific designations you can look for that will already tell you this person is going to look out for my best interest. And I remember you even talking because we were talking about what information or education we didn't have when we were younger. Is there like an element of education for youth that you guys have thought about like rolling out at any point? Yeah, we have um, a online course for middle and high school kids cool. that's available for free. Anyone can enroll. It's at bfguniversity.com. Awesome. And it just covers those basics um, of just what is investing, what is interest, what are the um, options that you're going to get at your first job and your benefits package. Just those simple things that people don't tell you. And I remember when I was creating that, the way that I researched what topics I need to cover I just texted my friends and I posted on Facebook so and I'm good. like, guys, what don't you know? And yeah. everyone had the same answers. It's what is my credit score? And like, how do I know how my credit, um, like my credit report works? And how do I know like how to pay off student loans? Like all of these things that every single person had the same questions. It's like, there has to be someone that will teach all of these. And I was like, I guess that's us. We'll do it. So such we created a gap. It's such a gap. Yeah, we launched it last year and it's been awesome. That's incredible. So when it's, you it's ridiculous. work from the financial lens in the support of marketing and once some of these things are created and you being a part of that, then you take your marketing expertise and you put it out into the world. Right? Yeah, um so much of what I do is also just content marketing and content based. So we do like I work in finance, which like you said, it sounds like that super buttoned up thing, but I spend my days filming webinars and building courses and making fun graphics and doing all of this stuff that just brings me joy because I'm being creative and I'm creating something. Um, but it's under that finance lens and it's doing something positive, which is like, for me, that's the most important thing. Yeah, I think it's super transformational. One, it's like a, a necessary resource, right? For not necessarily livelihood, but for livelihood, right? For shelter and clothing and the things that, I mean, in yeah, order I mean, to with, be, especially in America, you have to be able to be able to steward your money. Yeah, with uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs on that right. base, one of them is security and finance yeah. and security, especially in this country, they go hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't have that financial security, you're not going to be just like comfortable living your your regular life. Like there's so much that goes into financial wellness that's just tied to just your overall your wellness, your mental health, so much of it. And it's just um if you don't if you don't take those steps to learn it and you just ha you have to find it yourself right. usually because no one's just going to give it to you, but if right. you find it and you actually use it, it's going to open so many doors. 
Well, I think that there's that element as I was sharing that story about being with the financial advisor is like Mm -hmm. people who don't know, they don't know any better or they don't know any worse, right? They feel like this is all I have and therefore they stay into this space. They might even stay in a specific income bracket that their parents had, that their grandparents had because there, there seems to be no out. And a lot of people will utilize that. I don't have the finances. I don't have the money. I can never do that because you've been entitled, right, to finances, which is not the case. I remember walking to the store to go get pizza every Friday and buy a VCR. Actually, it was to rent a VCR every Friday night. And that was like our family ordeal, our family outing was to get pizza delivered or not even delivered. We couldn't afford the delivery tip, (laughs) buy the pizza and pick up a VHR, VHS experience. So I didn't have that. And yet it's appearing uh, based on where we are now that that was a generational experience, but it's been something that was taught by my in-laws who are very um, financially sound, but also this knowing that like there is a breakthrough opportunity. There is an opportunity to take the glass ceiling that's been capped on you and cut through that in order for you to exist in more abundance. But I love the way that you said it from a Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like that truly is that security piece it really does change everything. I mean, I'm thinking about even stuff going on in the society right now um, in regards to formula. And there's like this mass formula, Mm -hmm. baby formula need that's transpiring that I I just took a, a knowing to this morning, actually. And I'm like, holy cow, how can I help? Right. And a majority of the time helping sometimes is doing what you're doing and like sharing content, sharing more information so people are made aware of it. But then there's got to be another step. There has to be the activation of such content in order for us to be able to make an actual difference and support. And sometimes the only way to do that is finances. And so people feel like I can't give, I can't support, I can't do these things because the only thing that I don't have is money. But I think time is also a huge component of that too. Yeah, there's so many ways to give that aren't finance. And I feel like you kind of go through these phases in your life where you have different ways that you're able to give. Like when you're young, you might not have money, but you have time and you have energy and you can do like actively work towards helping something, whether it's going to volunteer, whether it's going to a march, something like that. And then once you get older, you don't have time and you definitely don't have energy. At least I speaking for myself, I have no energy, Um, but you have money. So I um, I think it's like kind of like a time treasury and talent. There's three different ways that you can um, help and you can give. And it's just a matter of like where you are in your life and which one's available to you at that time. It's really good. And it made me think of like, there's a parable in the Bible that talks about the talents and the owner of these specific people um, had given them money. And he's like, I've got to go away. I'm going to give you this. I need you to multiply it, right? I need you to make something of it. And he didn't really give them much instruction, but the first person buried the money because he didn't want it to get lost or stolen. And he just wanted to make sure that when the master came back, he had what he needed. And the second one, he just did essentially a double and the next person put it to work in multiple different ways and was able to triple, quadruple. I think he did it five times over. He multiplied what was given to him. And the the first person thought that they were in the right because they protected what was given. And when the master came back, he basically was like, you not stewarding what I gave you, which I feel like is a lens of even a, a call from God, the father is this knowing if you're not stewarding what little he gives you, how are you expecting there to ever be more? Because he can now Mm -hmm. trust 
these other two, specifically the one who did multiplication five times over to say, okay, I know who to entrust with my money. And so we're looking for blessings. We're looking for, you know, abundance everywhere. We're looking for the fruit of our labor. We're looking for favor, all of the above. And yet we're not even stewarding what small amounts that we're given. Yeah. I mean, looking at that story from a financial lens, it's kind of just the same as looking at someone's uh, risk tolerance. So mm. the person that buried it on like underground, that's that's basically putting it in a savings account. Like you're not yep. going to earn anything on it, but you're not going to lose anything. And then yeah. that middle ground, like he did grow it a little bit, like maybe he invested it in a mutual fund or maybe he put it into a higher yield savings, something that has relatively low risk, but also doesn't have that high of a payout. Um, but then the person that doubled, quadrupled, whatever, that's something like maybe he went into private equity and angel investing and he put it towards a cap, um, a capital for a startup and that startup yeah. took off. Like there's yeah. like, you can look at that from that finance lens yeah. and just kind of look at it like, well, this guy had the highest risk tolerance and this guy didn't want, like was very conservative and didn't want to lose a dime. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I don't, I think it's innate for people to have like that risk aversion perspective, especially for this community. It's one of founders, innovators, and trailblazers, right? So entrepreneurial in mind, whether or not they're a serial entrepreneur or not, it really doesn't matter. They could have a, their side gig or whatnot. But I think that's a really cool perspective to looking at it as that true financial investment. What did they do to make that happen rather than just to say what most people, most pastors even are looking at it from, make sure you steward what little you have and multiply it so that it's good. But if we think through our time, our talents and our treasure, that could be an abundance factor on all of the fronts of that, not even just the finances, mm -hmm. but... Faith Media Co. is dedicated to activating mission-driven leaders in the marketplace by way of publishing, press, and play. Because your story doesn't just matter to you. It matters to move others. We help you dissect and share your message through podcasting, book writing, and business development. These three areas are exactly how my team and I have opened doors to stages, become the best-selling author I always dreamed I'd be, and even the entrepreneur that energetically and joyfully shows up to serve each and every day. Literally nothing I do feels like work. Every day feels like play. And we'd love to help you live the same life of freedom and fun. If you're a speaker, a writer, or an aspiring business owner, let's jump on a call today to vision cast your future together. Go to www.fitinfaithmedia.com. Again, that's fitinfaithmedia.com. Book your call. If you're a founder, an innovator, a trailblazer, or a wannabe, we can help you get there. Let's do it. We're here talking about money, which people love to have that conversation. Um, I actually have a conference coming up later this year. And remember the movie Jerry Maguire with uh, Tom Cruise? And it was like, show me the money. <laughs> you remember that movie? Yes. Okay. So the guy who the movie is made after, his name is David Meltzer, and he's going to come and be speaking. He's been on the podcast in the past as well. But I think through scenarios like that, I think through the financial advisor example that you gave us from when you were 
2020, how can, obviously you have this resource of people being able to ask the right questions and get curious about their money and also put it to work for them. How can we kind of like get past that risk aversion and get into like the comfort, comfortability of being risk averse, if that's even a thing? Like how can I trust more and do bigger things? I mean, your risk tolerance comes down to so many factors, and a big one is time. So the younger you are, um, it, it feels a little bit safer because your timeline is so long. So right now, like um, I'm 26, so I'm going to have a higher risk tolerance than someone that's 64 because I have another 40 years before I'm going to have to actually use my retirement savings. So if I do lose some, I still have time to grow it back. But if I'm 64 and I'm retiring next year, I don't want to lose anything I've saved because I have no time to gain it back. So part of it is that timeline. And then part of it is your goals. Like, what are you trying to do with this money? Um, We see so much right now. People think investing is the speculative stock slinging that we see on the news today with Bitcoin and crypto and Dogecoin and all of those like really speculative, like get rich quick schemes, I want to say. Yeah. But that's not like, that's not what it is. That's just a one piece and one option, but there's ways that you can do it. There's so many different financial vehicles that have a different um, risk and looking at the different ways to diversify um, to spread that risk out and, um, it really comes down to talking to someone about your specific situation and knowing what your timeline is, what your goals are, and then what risk do you need to take in order to get there. And that's something that a financial advisor, even a financial counselor, um, is going to be able to help you figure out. It's really good. Such sound advice, you guys. You can get all this genre of information. You can get those free courses that she's mentioning. And I'm sure there's a ton more, um, both on her Facebook group, which is Don't Retire Graduate. Um, they also have don'tretiregraduate.com. Is that correct? That is, yeah, that's our podcast. Nice. Um, we also, it's, we also have a book of the same name, uh, Don't Retire Graduate. And this walks you through all of the steps to create your own financial plan so that if you don't have the resources to work with an advisor or you just don't want to, if you have the book, you could do it yourself. Well, I'm, it looks like a really good uh, gift for all the graduates that are coming out right now, right? But is it more applicable for graduating your mentality? Talk to me through that concept of don't retire, graduate. Yeah, it's a it's kind of become our mantra um, at the company. It's the idea of reframing retirement as a graduation. And there's so much, I'm sure you're familiar with like the fire movement, the financially independent retired early people that are retiring at 27. Um, And even people that retire at that traditional age, when retirement was created, it was when you retired at 65 and die at 67. Now it's like you retire at 27 or you retire at 65, but you live to be 90. There's so much that you have to plan for not even just from a financial standpoint, but from a lifestyle, like, what do you want to do? We like to ask people, even if they are 80 years old, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because we don't get asked that after we turn eight. And I mean, my answer when I was eight was a princess. And I'm going to be honest, it hasn't changed. But I'm sure there's a lot of people whose answers have changed quite a lot. But if you don't know what you want to be when you grow up and you don't have this plan for what you're going to do, you're just going to sit on the couch and watch daytime TV and maybe play shuffleboard 
And that is no way to live, especially yeah. in those golden years, like we call yeah. it. Yeah, so it's, it's reframing that idea and graduating into an exciting new chapter that is full of possibilities. And when you have going back to that time, talent and treasury, you have time again. So maybe that next chapter is volunteering because you're financially independent. You don't need a paycheck or maybe it's just spending time with family, whatever it is, just have a plan for it so that you have a reason to get out of bed every morning. Yeah. I think one of the biggest words that you just said in that last grouping was possibilities, Mm -hmm. right? And, And I think a lot of people are inhibited, especially when you think of um, you know, other countries, maybe whether it's in the state of the world, if we wanted to talk politics, that's where we would go. Um, or just what access they have. Right. And so mm-hmm. we live in a country filled with possibilities. And yet we're, there are still people who are not equipped with the finances that they need um, in order to survive mm-hmm. just fundamental survival. And so wanting to just give hope to anyone listening, wherever you are, and also resources. Why I brought Sarah onto the podcast is she's such a resource to you all from a financial perspective um, and also that hope piece that you can do it. And so definitely follow all the links, go to all the resources there. If you were to drive them to like, you have to do this one thing, what would you say? If you have to do one thing, take an inventory. That's the first step, whether you're 25 and just figuring out everything or whether you're 45 sitting down with an advisor for the first time, whatever it is, take an inventory. Because if you don't know where you are, how do you know where you're going or how to get there? So taking an inventory is as simple as writing down all of your assets. What do you own? Writing down what you owe. Like, how Are you in more debt than you thought? Are you in no debt at all? And you're stressing over finances for no reason, like I do. Um, I always get so overwhelmed. And then I look at my finances. I'm like, okay, wait, why am I stressed? Oh, right. I just have anxiety. Uh, But just figuring out exactly where it is that you are is going to help you get to and figure out where it is that you're going. So wise, so wise. And that's honestly what I did when I sat down that first time with Cameron. I was just like, we want to know what is the traditional state of the population? What do they got at this point? And it wasn't a comparison for us to like meet them. It was honestly a comparison of what are the lifestyles? What's the opportunity? What's the possibility of how we want to live based on retirement, based on our children, based on travel, based on all these things that we love so much. And had we not done that, we wouldn't be where we are today. And that was nearly six years later. And so it's been just such a blessing to see how when we uh, put in effort towards multiplication, it will happen. But if we just sit and hope right? And, and I love hope. I think hope is critical. But if you're just in that, uh, uh, one of the gals, Danielle Delgado, that I love when she speaks, she talks about being drugged up on hopium. And she thinks that so much of society is just walking around on hopium and even just prayer, right? Even the church will just be like, just, I'll pray for you. And you're like, well, that's great, but there's got to be more prayer in action, you know, yeah. and that's what's something I just really hope that as people are listening to this podcast, that's what they take away from it. It's it's prayer. Those people, all three of them were given the talents and it was a blessing, I'm sure, but they didn't even do fully what they could have done except for the third person. And so I hope that people are hearing that, taking action with the resources that you're providing and saying yes. Yeah, I've heard... Um goals are dreams with a deadline. I feel like that's kind of on that same vein. Like you can have all of these dreams, but if you're not actually putting that effort towards it and just thinking like the 
the elves are going to show up and make the shoes for you while you sleep. Like that's probably not going to happen. So just writing, writing down um, your financial inventory, writing down your financial goals. um, It all just comes down to timelining those out, making that inventory, figuring out what you want and the, whatever those dreams that you have, they're going to start to become a lot more attainable because you'll start to break them down and set mini goals and set mini timelines and just start hitting things one by one. And I know for me, when I hit that small goal, like I just hit that next thousand, like that's exciting for me. And then I want to do it again. So that's how I'm able to just keep hitting my goals is just by setting even smaller ones and breaking them down. Yeah. It feels so much more manageable in that way versus exactly. looking at that 65 year old age and like, how am I going to get there? Right. Exactly. And so it's even for our little ones is understanding like if they're to save a certain amount per day, per month, per year, starting at seven, starting at eight and understanding what does that look like by the time they're 21, they could pay in full for their school. Right. And it's not, it wouldn't mm-hmm. even be an issue because of the compounding that it's going to do over the course of the next 10 years. Um, and I just now knowing mm-hmm. with inflation and all the other things, like really, again, with possibilities is opportunity. And there's opportunities around us all the time. But I think the first experience of opportunity and what we're talking about today is to educate ourselves and to be aware of what's out there and what we can actually do with our money rather than just hoard it or chase it. And that's honestly what a lot of people are doing. Yeah. Yeah. Your money is a tool and you need to use it to get to those goals that you set for yourself and not knowing how to use that tool is just going to stop you from everything. It's like walking onto a construction site and like, yeah, so many things could happen here, but I don't know how to use a hammer. So it's like (laughs) they're right in front of you, but you don't know how to use it. Yes. That's so so it's just, it's just that matter of educating yourself. And yeah. the sad thing that I found is that people don't even know what they don't know, basically. Like there's so many things that go into financial planning that people don't really equate to it. Like your employee benefits. When, when I talk to friends that are getting new jobs, I'm like, okay, well, what's in your employee benefit package? And they're like, I don't know. There's, yeah, they're just looking at the bottom like, line. Yeah, okay, exactly. but that's not enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like that's not enough. You need to know like wh- what kind of insurance are you getting? Are do you yeah. have disability? Do you have all? Do you have an HSA? Do you have an FSA? Um, like what is in your employee benefits that is going to help you get to your goals? Because for okay. a lot of people, their first investment account is their four hundred one k. Right. Yep. One hundred. And they don't realize that. And they don't so, realize how they can max it out. And they don't exactly. realize like. Why would you not go ahead and do that and push that that money into that? I would max it out every year, get matched at the highest and caliber. It, it was awesome. Yeah, even if you can't afford to max it out, because I mean the the minimum um, or maximum is pretty high for four hundred one ks. But yeah, if 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 you can max it out just to the point of the highest match, that's free money. Yep, that's what we so did. just um. F- Figuring out where the free money is in that account and making sure that you're not just leaving it on the table. Because there's even large companies that they put aside budgets for things like education for their employees and other things that just go untouched because their employees don't know about it. Yeah. So there's just all this free money sitting there that no one's taking advantage of. Yeah. And like there's extended opportunities in education all the time. That's something that we've been um, even recognizing with the conferences that we host, whether it's this business scaling experience conference happening in September, or we have another one called Grow Your Business for God's Sake happening in um, November in Nashville. And people are actually Mm -hmm. getting their companies to pay for that. 
And I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah. They'll pay for the travel. They'll pay for the hotel. They'll pay for the per diem food and for the conference because it's actually going to, in the long run, not only help that person, but it's going to help the motivation of the entire company to get to the next goal and unlock that next factor. So I think people just always assume that it has to come out of their own pocket, but yeah. there's deep pockets out there that are like overflowing and they don't even notice. So yeah. tap into that, into the grants and into the other things too, that we could take advantage of. Yeah. Even, especially if you work for a large company, but yes. even outside of that, there's a lot of educational programs that have scholarships and financial aid yeah. too. So um, and I know I just, this past Friday, I passed my exam to become an AFC an accredited financial counselor. Nice. And that whole program, I wanted it because I wanted to further my knowledge in finance. And I asked my company if they pay for it. And they're like, yeah, I can see how this can benefit the company. So sure. And they took so the bill for cool. it. And so, so I got to spend months learning so much about yeah. how finance is affected by our psych like by psychology mm, and this whole so be behavioral cool. finance idea. And I did it without it costing me a dime. That's so awesome. Yep. See, there's that time. You gave the time, mm -hmm. they gave the finance, and now you yeah. guys can actually make that evolve. Yeah. Now together, like I found yeah. value in it in myself and I'll, yeah. and I'll um, add value to the company by having it. Yeah, it's really, really rad. I love it so much. I'm so grateful that we had an opportunity to follow the, up with the conversation that we started there. There was a lot of hustle and bustle in LA, as you sure you guys could imagine. So it was much. <laughs> so good to just, I knew that it was something I wanted to share with my community because we talk about poverty mentality. We talk about this poverty mindset. We talk about what the church sometimes can blanket us with believing or lack thereof on what finances can actually do for all of us as a humanity. And this is definitely a massive resource to everyone listening. And so I hope that you tap into the resources that she's helping provide the content that's coming out regularly. So you guys can also follow on Instagram, don't retire, graduate and uh, get connected with Sarah because she is clearly a wealth of knowledge and just continuing to expand her education. And she's no longer a broke millennial. Right. And I hope you aren't either. Thankfully. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Sarah. Awesome to connect. Thank you so much. It was so great to talk to you again. All right, y'all. Get connected. Don't be broke. <laughs> Hey y'all, it's me again. Before you go, let's solidify the flame that was ignited within you today by sharing the spark with your own community. Whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, or spiritually, I would love for you to take the step right now by declaring your takeaway. Snap a pic of the episode and share it on your stories or posts, and you can tag me and the guest, and we will surely feature you on our Instas. Hey, you might even unlock a new accountability buddy in me or them. We're totally in this together and we appreciate the extra step taken. I would be so grateful if you even took the extra step. Come on, give me that extra sauce and leave a review on iTunes for the podcast listening app that is of your choice. I'm going to be featuring your thoughts, in fact, and this is going to be so fun in upcoming episodes. So you'll not only hear your name on the show, but maybe even your passion project or whatever big shout out you want me to make. So please, as a fellow writer, leave some words that I can attest to and I can't wait to read what you have to say. Thanks again for being a loyal listener and I hope to meet you in person soon at one of the events that we are speaking at or hosting. And I say we because the Fit and Fake team could not do this without you. Until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. This is the Fit and Faith Way. I found myself on a ledge three stories high at some condominiums, contemplating my life. I, I
been struggling to understand my purpose. Have you ever found yourself on the ledge? My name is Billy Yates. I am a caring father, mentor, and friend. In my new podcast, Billy and the Goat, I share the life-changing events that shaped who I am today to remind you that no matter how far you've fallen, God can help you get up and thrive. Listen now at lifeaudio.com.